Is the first book the one you were reading the the other day with the historic cities? No, 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 no. That's ah. that, that's a different book and that's maybe, for a different episode. And maybe for another episode, yes. Diana after yes. dark with historic cities. Please insert straight woman jokes here. I'm not inserting anything anywhere. Diana, no, no, no. Just no, never again utter those words. Ever again, slaps hands, sprays water, never make any references to the seed of life ever again. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Totally Unrelated. Uh, please join me in welcoming Eliza on her second appearance on the on this show, and may there be many more of these in the future. Here, here. Servus. What have you been up to lately? I mean, just hanging on to dear life, screaming into my scream jar, and just I don't know, PMSing all over the place, having period poops, <laughs> as you all know. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't, now you know. For this episode, I thought about, um, you know, how people keep saying history repeats itself, only to then be corrected by pedants, who tell them that, well, actually, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And then, on top of that group, there's a larger group of people who, upon hearing these works, just goes... I don't care about that kings and shit. Rent's due in five days and my paycheck in eight. How's Napoleon gonna help me with that? I mean, granted, Napoleon couldn't really help you with getting a jar of pickles off the middle shelf, so... <laughs> but if you destroy uh, your village uh, with his marching army, then probably rent is not going to be a concern anyhow, so... And neither will the jar of pickles, so... Yes, exactly. See, see, this is this is how you seek solutions. Positive thinking, Diana. Problem solver. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you don't see hindrances; you just see challenges. Exactly. Oh, I just gross myself out. So, um, I don't know about you, but in my experience as a sort of history lover, history buff. <laughs> Uh, I I think that the best way to get people who aren't interested in history uh, to, to pay attention to whatever you're trying to uh, tell them is to compare certain events, uh, people or trends of the past with uh, their closest modern day equivalent. Uh, and you, there are people who would frown at such popularizing efforts, but, uh, you know, this is not a serious political or historical podcast. And, you know, one could even argue this is barely a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we are certainly, certainly not serious people. So I think, oh, you know. How dare you? How dare you? All the disclaimers have oh, been no. uttered. Oh no, my smelling salts, jeebers. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we're all just trying to learn more about the world around us. And um, sometimes the best way to do that is to look at the shadows of the past. Of which Napoleon could not cast a long one. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to uh, apparently, actually, he wasn't that short for his time period. I think it was just slander, I say, slander. I mean, technically, yeah, or no, because people were pretty short. I remember I went to, uh, oh my god, there's this really cool museum in Germany 
Can't remember the name right now. I'm gonna. You just said Germany. Germany in Germany, yes. What Heidi Klum is from, and uh, um, oh my god, I'm so annoyed I can't remember the name. Anyway, it's a really cool place. Uh, it's a massive, massive site. You they just walked around for like ten hours, and I didn't even get to see anything. Uh, but they have a section. Um, it's in the Eiffel region of Germany. Uh, they have a section which is basically a massive hangar. Uh, and the inside of it a is... A hangar where you hang people or a hangar where you put planes? I mean, planes, I guess. But <laughs> they don't have planes in this one. Uh, it's basically sort of like the later parts of German history. So they start in the 1700s with the, the Napoleonic wars and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. They have like, you know, life-size wax figures and recreated scenes. And it goes all the way up until the early 90s. So there's going to be a couple of areas with streets that are bombed by the Nazis. And there's down planes and shit. It's like immersive as fuck. It's super, super cool. But when Mm -hmm. you're at the beginning of it, I mean, you know, I'm a midget, like I'm super short, (laughs) not legally like a small person, but just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm short, (laughs) very short. And uh, you're, you're, you're sort of medium size for a Romanian woman. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how to feel about that specific (laughs) description, but sure. But like in the general, well, compared to Western Europeans, I mean, I'm I'm a midget, like Jesus Christ. You could barely <laughs> your chi- see your child size. Yeah, yeah, you could barely see me from the top of the counters back when I was living in the Netherlands. So like, it's it's fine. It's everything is fine. Anyway, and um, the French soldiers and like the people in general, but specifically the French soldiers are so tiny. Like, mm. I could literally look down on them, which was, let me tell you, a super empowering experience to be able to look down on the French. Because <laughs> we know that it's usually... We need to discuss uh, in one episode. We we really need to dig into your um, problem with the French. Because I, I sense have a problem is... with the French. I just think that the French in general have a problem with the world. And they're just, you know, they're the French. I mean... It's it's not like we're punching down here. You know what I mean? It's the French. We're not punching down. <laughs> and I have this this theory and and plenty of anecdotal evidence for it that just general hatred for the French would totally bring the world together. Like this is this is how we get to world peace. Like if the UN made hatred of the French the central part of their policies, nobody would be finding anymore. Putin would be like doing high fives with Biden. Merkel and Erdogan would be just like blowing it out, you know, slamming drinks, getting freaky. Like everything could work out. Show me where the onion soup has hurt you, Elisa. Show me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. On the doll, right? (laughs) No, no. There's plenty of other crappier nations. I mean, but it's just I mean, it's the it's the pomposity. It's just Mm. simply the pomposity is just. You know, because this is oh, like it, there's a lot of cultures that like to act superior, especially when you think of Western Europe and the former colonizing nations. Well, former, so to speak. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's so former. Old habits die hard. Oh, so hard, so hard, so hard. I think Bruce Willis still has a couple of installments until they totally die. But there's just a specific flavor of, like, the French superiority that just, like, is, you know, bamboo slivers underneath my fingernails. 
But we digress from uh, from uh, our main subject today. Yeah, well, okay, so let's uh, kick off this here session. And I want to propose to you something we might call a 19th century version of a React video between two internet communities that have been sniping at each other since time immemorial. Feminists versus the manosphere. Men's rights activists, please, you feminazi. Well, yeah, but I mean, they, they, are, they are a world of their own on the internet. And I want to honor that. Yeah, I, I, can, I can feel the honor in the tone of yes. your voice. It's the yes. only honor is what you can. <laughs> yeah, and just a reminder, back, back in the old days, uh, the manosphere used to be, you know, basically society as a whole. <laughs> oh yeah, because and I'm so happy we've we've gotten over that. We've moved so far. Like it's equality just up the wazoo nowadays. It's just like I'm so sick of all the equality. Frankly, <laughs> I could use with a little bit of discrimination be on based on my gender. You know, it's not yeah. like there's there's just like horrible violence against women everywhere this is i feel like this is going to be another one of those episodes where elisa just goes oh i'm so happy this is not happening anymore yeah yeah right 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 it's just hashtag (laughs) sarcasm because apparently you have to point that to some people that i'm not being serious yeah you have to whistle when you sarcasm i mean then we're shit out all of luck because i don't know how to whistle oh no wait this is let me show you my best attempt at a whistle oh my god that's so I know it's so anti. I know it's super anti-feminist of me. I should know how to. I yeah, show me your whistling skills. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the tongue game, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so back to our back to our back to our thing (laughs) that we're doing. I hope so. Barely, barely. (laughs) Okay, so now uh, since we're about to witness a fight, let's see our champions. In the right corner, a man of high distinction and privilege, literary critic, conservative politician, one-time prime minister, as well as minister of foreign affairs, the guy whose Wikipedia page has a special entry for his publicly expressed misogyny, Tutu Maiorescu. <laughs> and in the left corner, and similarly situated on the political axis, Romanian socialist and feminist extraordinaire Sofia, appropriately named Nadezhde. Boo! Women belong in the kitchen! (laughs) It's how I imagined like an actual match would have gone down between them in those days. So uh, before we dig into the actual uh, text, I say we try to get the sense of the general context, right? Uh, Because we're being very thorough. Uh, yeah. And this is totally not just for shits and giggles. No, no, we, we are a serious, serious Very show. Serious. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, the feminist movement in Romania is a pretty, pretty new topic for me as well, uh, because this is what comes uh, with living on the periphery, culturally speaking. It's more likely, you know, stuff about what was happening at the time in England or France uh, than in your own country. Uh, but um, I, I say we make the best of it and learn about this together. So I mean, this if this isn't like the peak mindset of just like Eastern Europeans in general, I don't know what the fuck it is. But seriously, like... I mean, we kind of did some stuff, but like, 
you know, we're on the sidelines, you know, we're 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 the girl who doesn't get asked to dance because she wore <laughs> the weird clothes to the party or something like that. And then inevitably somebody drops a bucket of blood and guts on our heads. History just happens to us. We don't we don't know what yeah. what, what's what. History just happens and yeah. then we're like, oh I guess, I guess, I guess. Yes. Guess it's Tuesday again. <laughs> <laughs> so I flipped through two books for this episode, both of them in Romanian, from, and from what I can tell, none of them have been translated as of yet. One is Ștefania Mihailescu's Anthology of Romanian Feminist Texts from 1838 to 1929, and the other is uh, Adrian Dohotaru's book, The Socialists, a Heritage, 1835 to 1921. Um, so what the hell do you think was going on? in what came to be known as Romania in the 19th century, Elisa? I mean, I don't think there's enough vodka in the world for me to even attempt to dive into that, but I think we can all agree that it was probably a rapey bonanza with a side of mamaliguza cu brânză de burtuf. So, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 considering how things are now... You I, are assuming people could afford dairy. Oh yeah, and and just afford <laughs> to mamaliguza. I mean, if I think I think that was also among the luxury items at this point. People just photosynthesized back then, you know, why they worked <laughs> in the fields, and then just probably chomped on some like I don't know grass from the side of the street. Just as just as an aside, I I know I've read the fact that even though you would think that all the people who actually grew most of the stuff. Uh, in terms of, you know, uh, both grains and uh, cattle and, you know, the dairy that comes along with it, uh, they really didn't incorporate that into their diet because they had to sell most of these things because they were poor. <laughs> and the rent was too damn high! <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually the diet was uh, quite quite bad for, for most of the rural population at least. It was uh, heavily reliant on, yes, polenta basically. Well, don't tell the crunchy crowd because the crunchy crowd thinks that farmers from like 100 and 150, 200 years ago just ate all organic, you know, like mm-hmm. they just went out and they picked it off like the trees and just like raw vegan paleo whatever and that's why they didn't have cancers not because they were all dead by 35 yeah well they picked it off the tree but then they had to sell it because uh no 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 money wasn't invented back then yeah and we were just all pure (laughs) and crunchy and like we didn't need vaccines right because like our body heals itself if you just Hmm. like with the energies of the world you know and if you're not like in touch with them just put a crystal in your vagina yes i was trying to trying to not <laughs> say vagina but i uh what why why do you think this is that sort of podcast where you have to no i was trying to decide between uh... <laughs> where you have to mind your words <laughs> oh, oh no 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 i was just trying to decide whether i should go with yoni or coochie <laughs> and then i, I just like got locked into making that decision i just couldn't decide so yeah Uh, Tell me how awesome it was for women back then because it was because men opened doors, you know, and they didn't rape because rape was invented by the liberals. 
probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, racism and, you know, we... And it only happens in Sweden, right? Of course, of course. It <laughs> never happens here. No, no. I was thinking about the fact that sometimes we're surprised by those factoids. You learn about how, say, there are more women uh, in STEM fields in Eastern Europe than in the woke West. And, you know, of course, that is in many ways due to the communists' obsession with churning out engineers and then subsequent political decisions to make tech jobs attractive. But uh, like uh, the 19th century equivalent of that is the weird uh, factoid that 43% of the Romanian principality's working population was made up of women, which was a larger share than in many other countries like, you know, England or France or even, well, you know, what what would become Germany. Yeah, because we were fucking poorer. Yeah, and, and yes, a majority of those worked in agriculture because, <laughs> uh, you know, agriculture around here parts at that time, and not just then, was poorly mechanized and needed a lot of hands in the fields. I mean, if it's this is one of those things that super annoys me because it's like, oh yeah, the working woman and we have like such a leg up compared to the West and whatever. That's bullshit. They weren't working women. They were little more than chattel. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, a little bit of my history. My grandparents were subsistence farmers on both sides. And especially my maternal grandmother's stories of what farming and just like rural life was like in the 30s and 40s, like the 1930s and 1940s. So this is way after this time. Things are a little bit better. But it's exhausting mm -hmm. and soul crushing before anybody goes all. But no, no, no. Women just send it to the house and run the house. They fed the chickens maybe and they cooked and they were like, oh, no, no bullshit. No. no, the fuck they didn't. They worked the goddamn fields alongside the menfolk, often, by the way, <laughs> pregnant or a toddler strapped to their backs. I mean, yeah, uh, there is a reason why you have many uh, sort of births happening, births happening uh, on the fucking field yeah. in Romanian literature. Yeah, 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 <laughs> on the field and especially during harvest seasons, because the work mm -hmm. was so incredibly physically exhausting that women often went to, into labor well before the nine months, FYI. But I think it's not that difficult to imagine if you're like six, seven months pregnant, you know, and you have to be bent over backwards literally for 12 13 mm -hmm. 14 16 hours a day because yeah you worked from literally sun up to sundown until you had just natural light outside and by yeah. the way that wasn't just it because if the moon was waxing was waning yeah waxing i keep that <laughs> so if the moon was waxing or close to full or full they work during the night as well so you'd work until there was literally no more light outside you'd stumble home into dark or maybe even just sleep outside in the field and then when the moon rose during the night you woke up and worked some more until the moon went down and then maybe you got an hour or two before the sun came up again and you worked and you worked and you worked with no mm -hmm. shoes like food because you were in touch with the earth Elisa. yeah you were so you in were, touch with the were, earth yes yeah because uh, just just getting all your energy directly from the yeah, source yeah. from mother earth yeah and then you had to do a little bit of a blood sacrifice right every now and then because 
if if generally speaking, if a family has and sometimes than, the blood sacrifice was your wife. Yeah, but but there was also the, the little known fact that if you if you have more in a family with more than five six kids, let's say something like it, at least one of the kids was missing like a strategic toe or something because you were working the fields until you got completely exhausted and you know coordination and exhaustion don't really work so well together so there would be accidents it's it's yeah the you know i like the whole naturist thing not naturist jesus christ not naturist those are nudists uh but like the <laughs> this whole you know being more in touch with the earth uh eco-friendly practices uh, biological culture whatever i'm into that shit but not when it comes to framing the past as this magical, clean place where only clean things happen and everybody was happy and healthy. No. Lives were incredibly difficult for the majority of the population and it pisses me off so much how people don't want to wanna consider that or they act like that's not true or that's so far in, back in, in history. Like, oh yeah, 500 years ago maybe, but not my great-granddaddy. No, my nana. No, mm-hmm. that was probably mm-hmm. your nana too. And for us, especially in this space of the world, where things are still so very agriculturally based and the population is still so heavily rural, it's still a reality to this day. Most of the farming we have in this country is also still subsistence farming. And it's either mm-hmm. subsistence farming or, you know, the big agro companies that bought the lands from subsistence farmers for like, next to nothing but i think yeah. i think maybe that's again another subject for another episode about the lace potato fields in uh, some of our most economically depressed areas of the country and all of that fun stuff yeah so uh we talked about how women were uh, making up a large share of the agricultural workforce but the number of women working industrial jobs was also increasing in the 19th century uh, mostly in textile and food production in Moldova and Wallachia, uh, and tobacco, paper, and textile manufacturing in Transylvania. And we all know all those industries tended to be super safe, especially yes. in those years for workers. <laughs> it's not like Dickens made a career out of writing about that shit. Yeah, Lisa, so may I have some more? You you won't be surprised then to learn that <laughs> working conditions were atrocious. Oh, really? They didn't have like a ping pong room and like <laughs> snacks and shit? A PlayStation in the game room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, totally. so actually, uh, I mean, we're, 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 we're joking here, but uh, the, the conditions were so bad that in 1902, for instance, the Hungarian newspaper Népszava actually reported that several families of workers in Alba County had committed suicide to avoid the hunger and misery that was their life. So, yeah, it was I that mean- bad. Yeah. Not not too dissimilar to what we're seeing in India with farmers that, you know, the, for years now we, I mean, not we, but India has this massive issue with farmer suicides mm. also because of that. So, yeah. What we were, were you saying at the beginning of the episode about history repeating itself? <laughs> I 
say it's not so much repeating itself is is as it's still ongoing or yeah and and before everybody's like but that's india and it's a third world well first of all it's not and second of all amazon jeff bezos i don't think u.s farmers are doing that great either from what i uh, from what i've learned so yeah. yeah. Well, maybe, hopefully, uh, things are going to change a little bit with the new aid package that was passed that has some pretty nice provisions for farmers, especially farmers of color. Mm-hmm. So that could be super cool. Yeah. But, you know, we don't even have to think of farmers because that's apparently super removed from a lot of people's lives. But Amazon and working condition in Amazon warehouses. Like, that's what we're talking about in, in this context. Like, mm-hmm. okay, they they don't necessarily get their hands chopped off by, like, shitty textile weaving uh, contraptions, but, you know... They have pr- plenty of health uh, issues, though. Health uh, issues and health hazards, yeah, yeah because yeah. The, 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 the quotas are insane and, and the injury rate is, is massive. But, yeah... Sure, let's let's pretend that the things have changed so radically. And and I think that uh, for instance, even in in Romania, when you talk to people about um, you know delivery services, yeah, everyone complains about both you know the postal office and the, the private delivery services, and they're you know they both have their uh, faults. But the thing is that. Uh, very few realize that the reason why your delivery guy or occasional gal uh, is so maybe annoying or not very helpful is because they are stressed out of their fucking mind because of their quota for each day. And uh, so, of, of course, when you know that in order to get your salary or your base salary, at least, you have to deliver a certain number of parcels. And no. that number of parcels is probably a lot higher than would be normal under normal con- conditions. And I mean... That should be normal. Yeah. Should, yeah. I think, is the operative wor- word here. Yeah. But yeah. Then, then you just get this this really bad circle uh, uh, cycle where uh, the employees are stressed out. They are not particularly uh, helpful with people who get their packages and maybe cannot always be on time to pick it up or uh, they leave uh, heavy packages, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you live in a, you know, sort of apartment building, they won't even uh, come to your door and leave it there, although that's how they should be delivering certain things and so on and so forth. And then, you know, people tend to blame whom whoever they're interacting with rather than think about why is this happening over and over again because obviously it's not just one individual being an asshole so it's, it's probably a systematic something. issue yeah 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 but i i mean i i'd like to make a little bit of a side note here a side note to the side note the, yeah i mean you know me that's how i roll it's all ellipses baby um <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Conditions are horrible. They're paid shit. They're paid absolute shit. And a lot of people act like somehow delivery people are subhuman. Like, oh my God, you brought me my package. I'm just going to talk shitty because you're like, you know, club mm-hmm. or whatever. 
which obviously is disgusting, and we've we've discussed this so many times of of the issues uh, with. Uh, People, the trading people in service industries, whatever that's cleaning stuff or weight stuff or whatever, like they're not actually human. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, one of the quite typical issues, again, that we have with uh, the whole delivery system in Romania is that there's a very strong toxic masculinity issue within it. Because, yeah, the female workers are just as overworked, if not more, because this is a heavily male-dominated industry. And we all know how dudes get like, oh, you're a girl, you can't lift shit. (laughs) And I gotta say, it's always a drastically different experience when I interact with female delivery workers Mm -hmm. and male delivery workers. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be the, you know, they also do the same thing of like not bringing the package to your front door or whatever, even though that's the service that technically you're paying for. Mm-hmm. But they're not dicks. And somehow, somehow, I don't know, it's it's got to be this female superpower. Somehow female delivery workers manage not to make shitty jokes and be leery, creepy and like head on you or maybe like try to friend request you on social media afterwards because oh. they got your beats <laughs> from your goddamn fucking package because that's not weird or illegal or whatever. Like, mm, GDPR, bish. So, like, they, I'm, again, not to dismiss the systematic issues mm-hmm. and definitely that needs to change uh, and it should change because, of course, it would also make sense financially, you stupid fucks, because if you pay people well and don't give them workloads that are too massive then they can actually pay attention to the packages unless shit would be broken or lost in transit which would entail you know saving money and stuff but again what do we know diana we don't know anything with what say small women brains cannot process anything (laughs) yes well this is very on topic considering what what we're going to talk about small women brains (laughs) i mean it's it's the curse of our of our gender it's just our teeny tiny itty bitty female brains yeah so uh, in terms of labor conditions, as we discussed, uh, things still aren't great, but like they were really bad at that time. Uh, but how were the feminists doing at this time? Were they cringe or were they based? <laughs> well, you know, as they say, por qué no los dos? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as is so often the case around these here parts. Yeah. So we are still dealing with a movement that seeks to extract concessions from society through respectability tactics. Uh, They would use a discourse that emphasized women's capacity for rationality and uh, generally focused on the similarities between the two sexes. Uh, There is a clear attempt to stay away from anything that might bring attention to specifically feminine traits or experiences with, you know, of course, the exception of uh, maternity. I wonder in which category does period poops fall in? Oh, that's that's very feminine. <laughs> like, is it a super feminine trait or experience that you're not allowed to talk about? Or does it fall, you know, in the range of like the maternal? I mean, Elisa, I'm sorry to, to inform you of this, uh, like in the middle of the podcast but i think periods are forbidden as well to discuss usually i in polite society i mean 
I know that so far the the male audience for this podcast is tiny, but like, whew, we're not we're not uh, doing uh, ourselves any favors with uh, such dirty Topics? female talk. Yes, like period poops. <laughs> yes, but the men folk need to be ready. Those who are you know hetero are gonna be faced with period poops sooner that rather than later, <laughs> probably. And and if and if my dude. My dude, if you're in your like 20s and you this is the first time you've heard about period poops, yo, you need to hit the fucking books. Like you should probably not be having sex if you don't know about the period poops is all I'm saying. Uh, so the rationale of feminists at the time to to have uh, this approach uh, was that uh, before expanding the scope of the movement, uh, women needed to secure a modicum of political power. For some, uh, that meant getting the vote. For people with leftist convictions like Sofia Nadezhde, it also meant in the, uh, economic independence. Cardi B. Cardi B approves. <laughs> yes. In any case, uh, we are still far, far away from any spicy conversations about sexuality or even... Cardi, you know, B, Cardi B disapproves. Or even having one in those rather Victorian times. Uh, you know, still miles to go towards a worker's wet-ass pussy utopia. Certified freak. Seven days a week. <laughs> wet-ass proletariat. Make that union-busting weak! Yeah. yeah, although, although you know, uh, we, we, we all know that... Well, do we all know? We should know. <laughs> we I should. mean, I don't know. What, I, what do we know? What are we talking about? <laughs> what do we even know? Anyway, in the 19th century, even some uh, leftists were cringy, claiming that, for instance, man was the head of the household, not because he could punch anyone who would argue otherwise into submission, but because of the natural division of labor, concluding thus that it would be natural to have a much smaller quota of women in public offices under, I don't know, 19th century steampunk, sodomite communism, or whatever it was that they were hoping to achieve. Yes, Diana, but you forget. The man is the head of the house, but the woman <laughs> is the neck that turns the head. Yes. <laughs> Um, given the rather, such rather unfriendly circumstances, it's not all that shocking, I think, that many of these feminists weren't uh, particularly sex positive. I'm shocked, really. <laughs> so shocked. <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, our absolute fam, Sophia, warned against the excessive application of makeup in what can best be described as a tribal manner. Oh, white feminists. <laughs> Yeah. Why are our people so cringy? Brace yourself, there's going to be more of this. (laughs) She mocked upper-class women for making hay about their charity work, which she, uh, quite rightly, I would say, identified as a flimsy band-aid slapped on the wounds left by massive social inequality. The poor are a burden. Yes. Sofia was also opposed to the use of corsets because they emphasized parts of the female anatomy that made their wearers too distracting for all the serious logic bros they wanted to engage with in the marketplace of ideas. I mean, yes, because how dare a woman uh, be hot and you cannot be smart and hot at the same time. We all know that this is a, just a law of the universe. It's like I think Einstein said it. Yeah, although although I would argue that at least uh, young Sofia Nadezhde was not a bad-looking chick. Okay, but 
Not to be mean. <laughs> but you're going to. I mean, I, I never am. We all know. I just describe people accurately. Why does she... She bears more than a passing resemblance to Mr. Bean. <laughs> That's right. Like... But it's true. It's true. It's it's the expressions and everything. I think this is like a long lost auntie of him. Might be. I don't know. Yes, she she is striking. I would say she's not ugly. She's not particularly beautiful, but she's definitely striking. I mean, that but that's not even the point. I, although I guess there is a little bit of point to be made in this context, and she's the one who's bitching about other people's looks. So I think if you if you you know punch towards that direction, you you're kind of opening yourself up to. A line of attack. Yes, but it's all for the cause. She was attacking her sisters for the cause. So, uh, anyways, uh, the whole point was Sofia was a serious woman uh, engaging uh, in the marketplace of ideas. And she certainly did. Uh, she and her hobby, both uh, ardent socialists, edited Contemporanul, a paper that ended up having a considerable reach and influence in intellectual circles. And uh, the couple was actually actively monitored by the government because they were seen as conducting subversive activities and um, an, uh, an officer would make notes on anyone entering or leaving their house, which was effectively the HQ of the newspaper. So, you know, what were the scary and subversive shenanigans they were up to <laughs> editing their newspaper? Well, you know, debunking uh, and presenting counterpoints to public figures who opposed women's emancipation. And uh, occasionally they would also advocate for improvements in labor oh, conditions. No. So, you know, very edgy. Oh, no. Yes, it's... Oh, oh no. Oh. But, but you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> by the pinka yeah, straps. Yeah. If they had any, because let's face it. <laughs> in, uh, in Romania's case. Shoes were a luxury item. Yes, they were. They were. If you, if you got your boots, then you knew you were going to go into town, probably, or something. Yep. yep. Uh, or going to, to school in, in the nearby town. I mean, but it's, I don't know. Again, grandparents, mine, many years went to school without shoes. So, mm -hmm. again, and this is not that long ago. This is especially in the post-World War II years. Yeah, very much. For a large percentage of the population, shoes are very much a luxury item. But, yeah, I mean, uh, whoa, subversiveness, whoa. Yeah. So, uh, fun fact. Uh, Sofia had a brother by the name of Octave Boncilla, a realist painter and eventually left-wing activist. Uh, his sis was several years his senior and actually raised him once she got married to Ioanna Dejde and encouraged him to pursue his passion for painting. In 1907, following the crushing of the Romanian peasants' revolt, he roamed the countryside trying to gather evidence of government repression and violence. Uh, and Boncilla also used his art to attack anti-Semitic trends in Romanian society because, you know, <laughs> in the interwar period, there was a lot of that. No, no, there wasn't. That's that's a, a liberal myth. No anti-Semitism. Never was, never will be, never is. Like, we just, you know, 
people really love the Jews here. That that's why they suddenly disappeared after World War II. Jews <laughs> up the wazoo everywhere, and then suddenly, you know, mid by the mid forties, no more Jews anywhere. It's it's, yeah. it's uh, the, the the Jewish rapture probably happened. Well, anyway, in conclusion, uh, with regards uh, Octav Bonchila, I think we can say that his sis taught him well. I mean, yeah, he seems pretty chill so far. Uh, now, Sofia's back and forth with Tito Maiorescu um, won't be the only public feud she will have with a prominent, prominent conservative politician. Petru Misir, uh, another literary critic and, as it happens, close friend of Tito Maiorescu, claimed that women were basically living off the backs of the poor beta, I mean, man. Oh, yeah. And Sofia retorted by pointing out that... Domestic work is work, my dude, even if your sorry ass don't want to pay for it. But won't somebody think of the man, Diana? Won't somebody think of <laughs> the man and and the bad days that they have? Uh, well, that's why you had the angel of domestic bliss, right? That's what the woman was supposed to be in those times. She was supposed to take uh, the husband's mind off the hardships that he was facing in the rough and tumble world of, you know, the outside world. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Being his mother and uh, free domestic worker and basically free sex worker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Elisa, have you heard about the term MGTOW? Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I wish men would really go their own way. Except <laughs> they don't. They just... They never do. Their their way somehow just is comes right in front of the way of women and just our general piece of goddamn mind. Uh, so, so for anyone listening who doesn't know what MGTOW stands for, it stands for men going their own way. And again, like we said, they never do. They never do. They stay behind to constantly complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They keep saying that they'll go their own way, but they never do. (laughs) They just keep saying it. And uh, actually, you know, just like our 19th century bro, Misir, did, they they say things like, well, marriage is a setup that solely benefits women. I mean, because it's, yes, of course. Uh, because uh, it ties men whose, uh, you know, ardent love for any woman basically has an expiration date of uh, about two or three months. It ties men, so, to shoes for life. And, uh, you know, Sofia just shrugs him off and says something along the lines of, you know, if that's the extent and depth of human relationships that you can envision with someone you'd marry, you know, changing the laws is unlikely to address your issues, good sir. <laughs> but yeah, but these dudes don't see us as human. So, of course, it's like two or three months into it, you're tired of your new puppy or PlayStation or whatever, because again... Women are not human. Now, uh, let's dig our teeth into the main uh, course of this episode. Uh, Sofia's response to Tito Maiorescu is triggered by a public lecture held by the guy called Darwinism and Intellectual Progress. Oh my god, there's going to be so much racism here, isn't there? (laughs) She starts by citing some of his main points. So these are the the, the things Maiorescu uh, proposes as his hypothesis. There is such a thing as a progression of intellectual faculties and abilities throughout history. And wouldn't you know it, Maiorescu is going to prove his point by talking about skulls. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. To be more precise, cranial capacity in his case, because he's a patent. 
and uh, he proceeds to list a series of measurements done on 11th and 12th century skeletons in comparison with 18th and 19th century counterparts. He then compares all of those measurements to the average cranial capacity of people uh, in the in his present at his uh, at that time, casually remarking, of course, how Europeans have the galaxiest of brains and that only monkeys, and I quote, roughly 45% of the wild races of Australia still have the much smaller cranial capacity of past centuries. White man's gonna white man. Yeah, but I mean, why, 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 why? And again, the sad part about all this shit is that so many people to this day, like, actually believe this mm-hmm. and and think this and and think it's okay to just go around saying it out fucking loud like no no don't keep it inside keep <laughs> it inside shut your mouth hole and keep it inside you don't have to announce to everybody that you're a goddamn fucking moron i don't even know if keeping it inside is is uh, actually the solution because obviously even if you keep it inside uh it will show up in the way you treat people i mean just because you don't say racist shit you can still act racist at least have the decency to have your fucking clan meetings in the backyard of your nana's house well Anyway, Mayorescu follows up with a first sprinkling of misogyny. You see, he points out, the average cranial capacity of women is 10% smaller than that of men. He makes, uh, he then makes a vague gesture towards material conditions, which might explain the difference in cranial capacity. Now, you know, ignoring for a second the validity of a correlation between intelligence and skull size, he brightly identifies that where gender roles have become more rigidly defined, those with both more access to the tools of learning and need to use them on a daily basis would, of course, have acquired a certain advantage over time. Uh, Centuries down the line, that would show up in physiological differences as well. So he argues that when most people were peasants engaged in subsistence farming, or, you know, if you are a modern-day savage, of course, there were Mm. hardly any measurable differences between female and male skulls because everyone was a dumbass, basically. Except the rich. Except the rich. So, you know, this is the precursor of randos on the internet going, well, I'm not saying it's because of their race. Uh, It's the culture, you see. They either don't have enough of it or it's the wrong one. Well, but if other cultures are so fucking wrong, why do white people go around stealing all the other cultures, huh? 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 (laughs) Fucking Kevin from, I don't know, middle of fucking Iowa? Well, if if you've listened to the, f- uh, I think the first and the second episode, it's not white people stealing other people's culture. They are stealing it back. You see, that's what they said to themselves. Oh. We were taking our Aryan heritage back from all the Indians and the uh, Jews and the the you know just just all the non-white people who were. They were just, you know, sort of preserving the stuff that we've, we've forgotten about. It's, it's just such bullshit because at the end of the day, we all know that it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not even our culture. It's just it's ancient aliens. It's ancient aliens. No, it's, I'm sorry, Eliza. 
I'm, I'm going to shut down that. It's, it's Dacians. We all know that whether you're talking about the Japanese culture or um, whatever, you know, it's, it's all the Dacians all okay. across the globe. Plot twist. What if the Dacians are actually the aliens? I mean, they are the chosen people. Yes, they're so. the chosen people. The, the, I think they're, they're the aliens. The question yes. now is, which race of aliens? Is it the aliens? Is it the reptilians? Is it the Nordic ones? Is it the greys? Is it the greens? I, I feel like this this is an endless pit of sarcastic remarks, this whole thing <laughs> about the culture stealing and the Dacians. And so, like, maybe let's just take a step forward beyond that. Yeah. So for uh, so for Majoresco, as we've seen, it's all about them games, baby. And it's uh, use it or lose it when it comes to brains. And we all know that women don't use their brains. They're <laughs> <Yeah>. teeny, tiny, <laughs> tiny women brains. And although being condescending towards poor people within your own culture, uh, almost as much as towards uh, the savage races, was pretty on brand for many conservative and even, you know, liberal-leaning politicians and intellectuals at that time, Mayorescu had to be a bit more delicate about the whole thing. You know, at least a bit. He himself um, had humbler origins than some of his peers, who were either part of the local aristocracy, the boyars, or um, uh, in part of influential Greek families that had run the show uh, in the Romanian principalities in the 18th century. Uh, Maiorescu's mother, born Maria Popazu, was the sister of a scholar and bishop of Caransebes, Ioan Popazu. His father, Ioan Maiorescu, was essentially the son of a Transylvanian peasant who then became a theologian and an important figure in the formation of the modern Romanian educational system. Yeah, but Maiorescu is one of the good ones because he pulled himself up by the bootstraps <laughs> by marrying up. Like, he's literally a gold digger in this case. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know he he had to be a he had to be a bit more careful about the saying that the poor's are also stupid because he'd call himself out. Yeah, uh, well, not necessarily himself, but like his family down the line eventually, <laughs> and himself. Uh, so uh, getting back to his argument, uh, we have the dawn of history. He says when men and women are equ equally stupid numbskulls. But then came the white man, and poor thing, he took it upon himself to create c culture, the arts, and live in a society. Yeah. Is it time for women to step up and do the same? No, no. Patriarchy says no. Slaps hand. Namsabod. Yeah, totally big Namsabod vibes. Nuevo <laughs> Elisa. Nah. <laughs> Although, uh, I have to say, I am pretty disappointed by how limp his arguments uh, against emancipation is here. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not the only thing that was limp in his life. Yeah, well. Uh, so let's uh, quote the man. On the issue of women's emancipation, I would only note that the idea, despite its theoretical beauty, is uh, under current conditions rushed and... A little unfeasible. How could we place the fate of nations in the hands of beings whose cranial capacity is 10% lower? Especially given how even the brightest minds of our times 
are only barely able to drive a nation on the path of to material pro progress and prosperity. Of course, on an individual level, one cannot deny that we might come across a woman that is wiser than us. Yeah, but they, even even the, the rare ones that are smart, who are probably uggos, because we know that that's how it works, they still get periods and get all crazy up in their little woman brain. Can't trust them, really. No. Yeah. So, you know, his lamentation about how not even the galaxy brains can handle the complexity of the world sort of strikes me as exactly the sort of argument you'd make against his point of keeping women uneducated or barely educated, because even if women were across the board just 10% less intellectually capable than any random man, you'd still want more processing power to more efficiently deal with the world's ills and challenges, right? Yes, but periods. <laughs> yeah, okay, but even if, like, you know, even if you admit all his stupid and totally unscientific points, uh, even then, but like, it's still a Every every bit helps, right? Like even no, if they're no period. Okay, so maybe, maybe it's they're still out the of... argument to this day. <laughs> I mean, maybe. it's still the argument. For fuck's sake, they didn't want Hillary as president because she's menopausal. Like, but if, but but like even if they're out of order for like a set amount of time each. I don't know, each month, it's still extra. You underestimate, like, men's, <laughs> or actually, no, sorry, you're overestimating men's knowledge of how, like, female bodies work. There's loads of men walking <laughs> around uh, out there with fucking voting rights and probably a bigger paycheck than us who think mm. that we have our periods, like, half the month. Like, that's it, you know? Mm. But it's like a choice. And we just bleed into our fucking panties because we're <laughs> dirty creatures. Because we don't want to hold it in. You mean like nocturnal pollutions? Yeah, except it's all of the time. And then we act like entitled bitches because we have to pay for the products that keep us from bleeding all over the place. Because we can't be bothered to hold it in until we go to the bathroom. Just hold it in. <laughs> oh, God. They, they could only <laughs> hold in their breaths for at least like 10 minutes. The world would be so much better. So, uh, how does my girl Sophia respond to these big brain boy takes? In the time on our tradition of white feminists, by being problematic herself, oh <laughs> she points out that while there is a link between brain size and intelligence, it is not as straightforward as claiming that the larger the better. Please insert straight woman jokes I'm not here. inserting anything anywhere. So, uh, as a counterexample, she says that the average cranial capacity of Perugian women is smaller than that of, uh, there's that word again, savage Polynesian women, but that no one would argue about the superior intelligence of the former. Damn, girl! <clears throat> yeah. Citation needed. Yeah, yeah, and also just Polynesian women, really, like... And in the context of, of French women, you know, like... I think I think they were the new thing in town. Yeah, Polynesian but women, like the maybe. French were extra shit in Polynesia. Like the French as colonizers were generally shit, but they were like extra shit in <laughs> Polynesia. Ugh. Yeah, and also it's, it's so bad because, to be honest, I don't think that uh, the man she was arguing with would actually consider Parisian women to be that much you know, smarter than Polynesian women anyway, because they were still women in their eyes. Yeah. So why? I, 
But maybe maybe she was trying to do something like that because she might have known that was the case and was maybe playing into the whole, yes, but you're also proud nationalist, so how does this work with the whole... I don't yeah. know. I'm just this is just conjecture here. I don't know. I feel like for that timeline and considering how it comes up again with the tribal face paint and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. I think that as as okay, Sophia when it comes to like emancipation, sure she's doing some cool shit, but she's doing it only for women like her, which mm-hmm. is what white feminists have been doing like historically speaking and are still doing it right now. And often profiting mm-hmm. off the work of black feminists. But I, again, discussion probably for another day because we're gonna get dragged down into it. But yeah, it's just super problematic. The the whole uh. yeah. And anyway, uh, in another episode with uh, Irina, we've talked about how things like you know intelligence, for instance, as a term, it's 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 very squishy. Uh, its definition relies on cultural, historical, and uh, even class context to have any real yeah, meaning. So, yeah. you know, whenever you have you're you're trying to have a discussion with someone about intelligence and how you measure it, you actually have to be very, very precise about what exactly do you mean by it? Because intelligence as a term, it just means very, very different things depending on. Uh, the group you're talking about, the time period you're talking about, the class of, you know, the the, the sort of economic um, and uh, uh, cultural background of the people. So, like, it makes no sense to just uh, use it as an umbrella term for Yeah, but I mean, that would mean that you'd have to be mindful of, of, you know, the correlation between wealth and opportunities to become more intelligent or the fact that the arbitrarily set standards of what it means to be intelligent by white people doesn't apply to other cultures and peoples. But Elisa, this is all about cranial capacity. I don't know. I mean, of course it's about, yeah, (sighs) cranial capacity. It's about the skulls, you see. Yeah, but it's like the whole thing that we do, like us Europeans are like, oh my god, Americans are like, sit down, because they don't know anything about European history. Yeah, and we as Europeans know jack shit about like American history or like the Pacific or Asia or whatever, like... Even if we just look at the context of World War II, oh my god, Americans like barely know anything about the Holocaust. Yeah, and we barely know anything about the Japanese internment camps. And on that topic, I was just thinking about the fact that um, it's not just the the fact that you don't learn uh, things or details about, for instance, uh, uh, history of uh, you know, different African nations uh, at school or Australia or things like that. But also, as you grow up, even if you're interested in history and you read a lot of stuff, I've noticed for me personally, as someone who has had very limited uh, contact with with books uh, about, uh, you know, history outside sort of Europe and maybe the Americas, it's much more difficult to pick up a book and go through it because it the, the learning curve is much steeper of course 
right? Because I don't yeah. have, uh, uh, I don't already have some reference points. Because even if you're bad at history in school, you still pick up some of the, I don't know, key events, key sort of historical characters. And then even if you learn about a specific uh, event or, or a very specific uh, thing, you, you already can kind of integrate it into a context, into a framework. Uh, whereas if you're learning about, I don't know, some specific of Nigerian history, I don't have any reference point. So it's much more difficult than, you know, how people are with things that are difficult. They tend to not particularly be eager to pursue them because it's hard. So, yeah, there are are many things that uh, people need to be sort of aware of that it's not that you don't have plenty of things to learn about, it's that you don't even know how how much you're... Yeah. Okay, so back to back to our thing. Sophia also argues that skulls have shrank for both men and women compared to our prehistoric ancestors. And hey, no one in her present day felt that they were more stupid than a rando cave person. Uh, there is also some, uh, de- uh, I mean, skull measuring going on. Oh, uh, yeah. As she points out that Mayorescu did not list the measurements of the largest cranial-sized skeleton found to date, which was, dam 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 that of a lady. <laughs> Destroyed with facts and logic. Yeah, but her big brain probably made her, like, super uggo. And, like, <laughs> nobody wanted to fuck her. So who's the real loser anyway? Mm. Furthermore, Nadezhde argues, all these dudes measuring skulls up and down fail to then compare those uh, numbers with each individual's body mass. And my girl quotes me some of that Darwin herself to shore up her argument. And then she channels her inner stem girl and lays down some formulae. So I'm not even gonna say anything about these. I, I will just uh, send you the, the, the craziness that she puts on uh, in, her, in her rebuttal. Oh god, no, no, no. Just like general no to all of this. And it's like <laughs> it's racism and like skull sizes and then math and like just old timey <laughs> Romanian and like ugh. I just no mm-hmm. no, yeah. no. I, <laughs> I'm gonna act like I haven't seen that and just like move on. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of breaks my heart to know that she did all this bending over backwards to facts and logic. And uh, you know, besides the fact that she uh, now looks really problematic with the whole skull sizes and stuff. Um, at the end of the day. Like, all this effort for what? Because all these uh, dudes were part of the intellectual and political elite of the country at the time. And they weren't really interested in her arguments, you know. They they would just say that, oh, we're rational and we are just being reasonable here. But, you know, even if you destroy them with facts and logic, like, yeah, sure, whatever. Girl, we still, we still have the power, so go back to the kitchen, I don't know. Definitely. And, you know, she could have been uh, doing, I don't know, better things like... Mm, Not enjoying the, uh, Yeah, and maybe enjoying a girl's night out or at least, I don't know, build socialism in Romania instead of wasting time with assholes in top hats. But, Ugh. yeah. So, up to this point, we've heard the 
Look, we can do science too, brah, feminist arguments. But now, Sofia shows her true colors, and those are red, scarlet, and some more of that red. She mm. goes, <laughs> you know, all this is fine and dandy, but when talking about the general intelligence of men and women, I am mainly talking about working women, because they constitute the vast share of women in any culture, including our own, instead of that small sliver of privileged ladies that are hardly more than ornamental appendages to wealthy men. And these working women not only work side by side with their men, like you pointed out, but are also known for their multitasking abilities and the variety and intricacy of their daily tasks, being often in charge of their households and the family purse, you know, to the extent that there was one. They are also often the go-to person within working class or rural communities during conflict mediation or other disputes. By contrast, upper and middle class women you know, could not even own property in their, own, in their own name because they weren't legally considered adults. Even the documents of the time in, in the Romanian principalities, basically, they show uh, quite a few sort of uh, petitions uh, and, and complaints being made by women and uh, not just for like, I don't know, domestic abuse or things like that, but uh, for uh, maybe um, uh, property rights or, or, or any sort of disputes over material uh, uh, goods. So, yeah, and uh, also they were, yes, they were considered sort of reliable witnesses uh, by the authorities for certain issues, more so than maybe their men, because alcoholism was also a big problem in rural communities. So, I mean, still is. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, all, all of this is there, but there's also just to keep things, you know, uh, nice and balanced. Uh, we do have to point out the fact that working women were also dying at much higher rates from instances of male violence. They're more exposed to that than upper class women. And there's also, well, obviously there's plenty of raping and especially marital rape happening in the upper class families and marriages. But there's also the, you know the societal protections so to speak like somebody will like have the attitude well i won't talk to her like that because she's a lady but when he goes out especially if it's somebody from the upper classes their attitude towards somebody who is uh working class is that well they're less respectable they're probably sluttier because they're not a lady mm -hmm. so you know it's it's i feel like whether you were upper class or middle class or lower class, it was still a mixed bag of crap. It's just the flavor of the crap and the shininess <laughs> of the crap kind of differs. Yeah. So like upper class women have the material protections, so to speak, and from certain forms of maybe societal violence a little bit more because there's plenty of asshole rich men or even mm -hmm. more. But on the other hand, you know, the, the less... Uh, freedom and when it comes to public life but yeah. now working women obviously the harsh material conditions and and access to better care is something that is is sorely lacking so just 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 so we don't get into a, a point where you know we come across as being like oh yeah the rich bitches had it bad but like the proletariat was like they were girl bosses it. yeah no yeah, they were yeah. yeah it was yeah. just different flavors of shit mm-hmm mm-hmm 
uh, Sofia throws several layers of shade at upper-class women, accusing them not just of pandering to the male gaze, but also uh, letting men infantilize them. You are part of the problem, she says, and the reason why we can't have nice things. Well, yeah, but again, some definitely some women were definitely very much part of the problem because we see that because they mean pick me, pick me. But uh, again, so many of the upper class women as well are just so constrained in what society will allow them to do. Because, okay, fine, you're not going to go out and look pretty and marry the guy your dad says you have to. The fuck are you going to do? Yeah. Because it's not like you were trained to have a profession. You don't even know how to be a laundress. And yeah. it's it's not like they're not forced into marriages. Often, again, what I mentioned, the huge age differences. And it's not like if you're like, well, I don't want to do this. Or if you go out and try to have some fun. It's not like mental asylums aren't a thing in which women are thrown into simply because they're like crazy bitches. But it's actually, you know just not wanting to do something horrifying. Yeah, I, I think there's... Uh, you, you, anyone, everyone needs to understand the fact that it's very hard to imagine that your life could be any different than the sort of things that you see around yourself. Yeah. Right? If, if for, for once, as a, as a, I don't know, middle-class lady or an upper-class woman, you don't really get to see or and... and Uh, interact with people of uh, who might have different experiences uh, beyond the superficial level so that's one thing that <laughs> hinders you from imagining that your life could be any more than it is and also yeah. uh, there's that thing where if you are told by everyone around you both women and men that you should be happy this is what happiness for a woman is again yeah. It's really difficult to get out of that frame of mind if you have very limited interactions with people who tell you that life can be different than it is. Yeah, so, it's, it's a society of bubbles, of course. Yeah. It's, it's don't really. And yeah, sure, rich women had uh, help, servants. Let's call them what they were. They were mm-hmm. servants. But it's not like you sat down and talked to them. I know we have all of these romanticized scenes that we see in like historical dramas, period dramas of the lady of the house having a nice little cuppa with mm-hmm. the, the servants. That shit didn't happen. In some households, yes, they did. Because even back in the, the old days, not everybody was a racist raging racist and there were some decent people quite a few of them out there but generally speaking that was not the standard mm. it was the roles were very much limited of, of yeah. how things happen and what you had and what you didn't have i mean again so many stories i could engage in but as a as a small side note my my maternal grandmother's mom was the, a domestic servant from a very young age she was the domestic servant of a well-to-do um jewish family uh she stayed with them for quite a while uh and uh, only left them when she got married and had kids started having uh-huh. kids uh-huh. Normally, you'd leave service the moment you married, but uh, she got along with the family really well. The uh-huh. children were very attached to her, so she was allowed to stay on even as a married woman. 
um, and she had actually spent a couple of years in uh, in Cluj uh, as uh, one of the young ladies, uh, well, paid BFF, mm-hmm. you know, chaperones. The one of the daughters uh, became an actress because this was again, this is very much a, an exception of a of a well-to-do family that was also very much forward-looking, future-looking. Mm-hmm. Looking, they were basically woke people. And in the, you know, the years of, of, I think it's actually the Roaring Twenties that she's in Cluj with the popping uh, theater scene as as a domestic servant to her. And it's, that's what she is. And it's, it's considered by many other um, domestic servants that she interacts with at that time to be a dream job. And it is. She has it really well. But mm-hmm. it's still hard work because it still means that when she, you know, her employer, who is basically a young woman who she raised and wiped her ass basically as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, when she stays out partying until 2, 3 a.m., she stays out with her or has to stay up and expect her and undress her and clean her shoes before she puts them away and everything, yeah. whatever, whatever. But she doesn't sleep in until noon or the afternoon like you know the lady she has to get up in the morning and do her job yeah and yeah. and she was decently paid and and again on the material side they treated her well and and they didn't treat her like shit and spoke to her badly uh she was allowed to you know read books from the family right library so there was very much that attitude as well but it's still there was a power imbalance. There's between. a huge, yeah, yes, there's sure. a huge power imbalance, a huge power imbalance and a very, very striking line across the sand that you mm-hmm. do not cross. Yeah. That they are the better folk. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's more, much more complex. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like this division and shade throwing at many other women that Sofia does is necessarily productive. And, and we see that happening again nowadays as well of, of, you know, a bunch of feminists out there. It's like, there's only one way to be like a true feminist. Like, no, that's the whole fucking point of feminism is that you have the freedom to be whoever you want to be regardless of your fucking gender. I do agree that it's not particularly helpful to um, sort of slander or throw shade at, you know, other women. I'm guessing that uh, there was also a lot of uh, sort of... There was a lot of sarcasm, maybe, or, or even hostility coming from women in from upper class women who are basically well I'm not like those crazy bitches so maybe I mean, there's obviously. a bit of animosity sort of like a on well not on a personal level but you know uh, I'm trying to put things in context in in terms of you know besides the whole um, theoretical aspect of it we, we 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 all take offense and we all have our bickering with people and groups of yeah. people and I, i'm i'm factoring that in as well when i'm considering this that you know the afraid the the, the shade throwing probably has to do with uh, other discussions or things that were going on at the time definitely it's it's uh, my my big concern with uh, these very divisive or like these very black black and white statements that sofia makes is that nothing is ever black and white it's always uh-huh. a million shades of gray and writing off upper class women as like traitors to their race uh, to their gender is a wee bit out there 
mm-hmm. because it's 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 uh, it overestimates the power that they have because again economically yeah they have uh, fancy jewelry and pretty clothes made of silk but it's not like most of them have property in their name mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. husband can at any moment decide not to give her like pin money so it's yeah definitely and again and again don't get me wrong it's not like i feel like rich women generally need to be defended because especially nowadays and it's it's we all know that uh, the richer you are the more conservative you are likely to become and and forget where you started out from it's just that that's uh well, you know, I I always hate it when things are are just made to be black and white. It's 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 let's not make uh-huh. everything a yes and no uh, issue. Sophia could have done better with this. Yeah. Again, I know she had a lot of shit to worry about, a lot of shit to worry about. But um, so if we get back to the text, uh, we find that Sophia hits her sisters right in the fields by saying. No woman with a single shred of dignity left would fail to feel a deep sense of sorrow at hearing their brothers, sons, or husbands hold them in such low esteem as Majorescu's words suggest. So, you know, interesting how she was all formulae and stuff with uh, when addressing the guy, but now it's all about... <laughs> the feels. And of course, uh, she also takes a jab at uh, Majorescu's closing statement. Uh, the one about why we can't have uh, women with their 10% smaller brains to take part in this whole running of the world stuff. Because surely, even big brain boys uh, like uh, us have a hard time doing it. And also periods. Uh, so my girl just goes, yeah, I don't see how we could do any more harm than you're already doing, guys. And uh, don't give me this culture and civilization bullcrap either, because England treats most of its people like crap, despite it being a powerhouse of pretentious neckbeards. I might have embellished uh, what she says somewhat, but I, I, I took the liberty to do, to do so, because I think I am capturing the essence of her uh, of her rage. Yeah. <laughs> I think if if she were to uh, you know refer to English people in, in in negative terms of of that nature, I think it would be more along the lines of like foppish dandies than pretentious neckbeards. I, I think I the point I'm trying to make is I think this is the period of time when when beards in general were like uncool. There was a switch at one point where yeah, they yeah, became yeah. uncool, uh, but I, I I I know that they were cool for a lot of the 19th century because they thought for a while that they were sort of like a barrier against uh, not infections because they didn't have that notion of infections, but against disease anyhow. And then they discovered that actually, well, no, <laughs> and then they became less cool. For the following point, I'm not sure to what extent Nadezhda knew anything about Majorescu's background. So I can't tell if this is uh, sort of unintentionally salty or some exquisite I see you, you class traitor motherfucker maneuver. I, I vote with uh, option B, personally. <laughs> I, Sophia does not strike me as the woman who will not do her research on her opponent. Like... Yeah. You know, if she was alive today, she's the one who will, like, you know, social media stalk you in, like, 0.3 seconds flat. 
and know absolutely <laughs> everything about you. So I'm 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 thinking she's going with the class traitor motherfucker maneuver myself. I don't know, but uh, she basically begins by saying once again that the main focus in a discussion about intelligence should be uh, the working class because rich people are degenerates <laughs> who have little incentive for self development and general curiosity. Plus, there's all the cousin marrying. Yes, uh, and that so many of the great minds of the century, both in Romania and abroad, came from relatively humble origins. It's the children of the village teacher or priest who usually have that basic access to literacy that allows their curiosity and drive to be channeled in productive ways. Again, not sure this is intentional on her part, but it's pretty on the nose if she knows details about Maiorescu's family history, so I love yeah. that. Yeah, I I think she she knew exactly what kind of shade she was throwing. Like, she had that down right. In the end, she concludes by reminding readers how previous prejudices surrounding women, like how they are but mere vessels to receive the seeds of life during conception. No, no, just no, never again utter those words ever again, slaps hands, sprays water, never... (laughs) Make any references to the seed of life ever again. <laughs> or how they weren't really fully human because uh, they we weren't sure whether or not they had a soul. Yeah, it's the soul the soul is in that missing ten percent of the cranium, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she says, you know, these prejudices have been proven wrong already. And yet somehow they still, uh, they, they're, they're still a thing. People still cling to it. So basically, uh, she's calling people out for not being all, all that rational as they claim to be. However, knowing Mr. Maiorescu to be an eminently rational and reasonable gentleman, Sofia urges him to revise his official stance. stance. Now that his premise, i.e. that women be dumb because they have teensy brains, has been refuted. Maiorescu has seen your message and nothing. (laughs) Because as always, the best way to win a debate is to say you did so or pretend that your opponent never issued a reply. So this is basically what's happening on the internet anyhow. So yeah yeah definitely it's it's uh basically going into the comment section yeah so Elisa, any concluding thoughts for this uh for this episode uh i would like to period shit into my rescue's playstation <laughs> that that is the deep political moral statement theoretical whatever all statement that i would like to make at this point i mean who am i to stop you really <laughs> But definitely, that's the energy you get from Tito Mayorescu. It's, it's, it's oh, all the... Oh. You, you said you knew that he married up. Uh, Mayorescu did. Yeah. But you know, um, this is just a bit of gossip here. Ooh. You might know it, but in case you don't. Share that tea, share that tea. You know that uh, he was also embroiled in a little scandal when he was a young man. Oh, oh. Yes, because you see, there were some public allegations made about him um, being inappropriate with some... uh, female pupils uh, while he was I think he was a school inspector or something like that no. at an Color old, me uh, female college Color me surprised I'm just so surprised and and here's that fun bit the one of the girls who made the those allegations was Veronica Mikle No 
Yes. No, really? And, and you know, for anyone who doesn't know Veronika Mikle, the, the sort of uh, muse of uh, Mihai Eminescu, like the blah, 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 greatest poet, something, 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 who was later sort of mentored by Tito Maiorescu. And there's this whole really crappy triangle uh, of tension between them. And then there's Karajale coming in. Oh, God. Oh, you do. Oh, so much, so much, so much upper class drama. And what did Karajala did other than just sit on the sidelines and throw shade and like, here's a knife, do something with the knife? Oh, he he actually, he actually uh, went uh, in and uh, sort of uh, had a fling with Veronica. Oh, my God. I think we can all agree that Karajala was definitely the better lay. Like, dude has a sense of humor. Eminescu is just a sad fuck lamenting around about like the fucking stars in the sky and how misunderstood he is and then just sad syphilitic noises, you know? So I, I feel, I, I get Mikla, I get her, I get Veronica. She she knew what she was going for. She needed just a little bit of joy in her life. She, she, she went for the fuck boy that one time. He's a fuck boy, but he's like the less good looking but funny one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Gotta, you gotta admit that girl had range. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about all this. It's, it's very messy and uh, by all, by Violent all means, from, yeah, from, yeah, whew, from what I, <laughs> from what I've read about Karajalek, he was a piece of shit as well. So, <laughs> so, 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 so Veronica did not have a good taste in dudes in any case. But I think it's just like also the the supply of men is quite. I mean, she was married uh, at the age of 14. Yeah. She was married to a guy who was, I think, like 30 years her senior. What have I been screaming about this entire episode? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I think uh, I think we can wrap, wrap up this episode. Eliza, thank you again for joining me. This was, this was a riot, like it always is. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And... Um, I encourage anyone listening to hit the follow, subscribe, or, you know, whatever button these apps have. Why do you have to sound so boomery? <laughs> I mean, uh, and, you know, share any episodes you like <laughs> on whatever social media you might be active on. And, you know, just generally show the podcast some love. Consensual love. <laughs> yes. You can find us on Twitter at TUnrelated, one word. Or send us an email at... The email is in the description. Don't make me read it out loud. <laughs> Sorry, this is all very bad and cringe. Oh, God. Oh, but but please, please be patient with us. And um, I hope we're getting better. Ugh, mornings are hard. Okay. Bye. Bye.